A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. There's probably a, a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but I think no, he is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. My mission really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are God's by faith in his son. Corinthians, right? 2 Corinthians 3 7. Victory in the name which is above every name. No exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme. Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name. Get out here right now. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Master's Dog, episode 82. I am your host, the Evangelical Norm. So, the Master's Dog is a podcast where I deal with false teachers, false teachings, false gospels, uh, anything that is a, a direct, outright attack on the truth of God's word or God's gospel, Christ's gospel. I like to deal with it here. This started out as a podcast called Faith and Beliefs Refuted because it started with me just responding to every episode that the Saints Unscripted, formerly known as Three Mormons, did in a segment they have on their pod- podcast called Faith and Beliefs. So he, David Snell does this, this segment of their podcast. It is scripted for the Saints Unscripted and He started with the Articles of Faith, and this is what intrigued me, because it was like, I wanted to respond to initially the Articles of Faith that they were sharing, as he tried to explain them, so I could go, this is why they don't fall in line with mainstream biblical Christianity. And it became, uh, I made a commitment that I was going to respond to every single episode of the the portion of their podcast called Faith and Beliefs. 
Uh, so I, it was Faith and Beliefs Refuted. I did every episode up until I decided I wanted to expand this podcast into dealing with all kinds of false teachers. As you can see in the intro video, we now do a false teacher of the week. Every Saturday, I drop an episode of that where I go through that intro video. But we deal with all kinds of false teachers, uh, you know, heretics, uh, atheists, uh, you know, whoever we deal with it here. So that's what this podcast is about. A little background for those who might be new. Um, I have got a few new subscribers over the last couple of months. So just to give you guys a, a little bit of information on what this podcast is about. Today we are going back to the roots of this podcast. We are responding to the Saints Unscripted Faith and Belief segment. And David is going to, and he's been, the last few weeks he's been talking about the witnesses of the Book of Mormon and different things and uh, theories about uh, from different apologists, Christian apologists, uh, what they would call anti-Mormon uh, sources, I guess, in their re refutation of the witnesses. And most of the theories are, are kind of meaningless and pointless. Uh, the witnesses is not even a thing that as, a, an, as an apologist, as a Christian apologist, I would even deal with. As an evangelist, I would never have a conversation, excuse me, or I would never intentionally, it gets brought up from time to time, but I'm not going after the witnesses as I'm trying to share the gospel with people on the street. I wouldn't even go after the witnesses if I was in a debate with a, a Mormon unless I was specifically debating on the issue of the witnesses. So today he's, he's back with the witnesses and he, he goes through some theories uh, and I think he gives seven and then I'm going to posit the eighth theory and break that down a little bit. So this may be a slightly longer episode than what we usually do. We're probably going to hit about a half an hour, uh, a lot of teaching in here and, and stuff. So uh, bear with me, but we're going to go ahead and we're going to bring up David and let him go through. And I'm not really going to have a whole lot to say while he does the video because my response is going to be after the video is over. So here is David with this week's episode of Faith and Beliefs from Saints Unscripted. Hey guys, so I want to start this episode off by making the following point. The things we know about Christ, his earthly ministry, his miracles, his resurrection and ascension, we know about those things because Christ left witnesses. Some miracles happen more publicly than others, and some of the most spectacular events were very private. But everything in the scriptures that we know today about Christ, we know because the witnesses went abroad and testified of the things they'd experienced. It and the writers of the Gospels wrote them down. It wasn't so much the witnesses. I mean, the witnesses at the time were could back up what the, the apostles had written. But it, really, I mean, we don't go back to, we don't have the written testimony of the 500 that Paul talks about who saw Jesus resurrected. Um, but we have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have the, the accounts of... Uh, of course, Matthew and John being apostles, Mark being uh, supposed uh, potentially who wrote down his as he learned from Peter, and Luke, the historian, who 
obviously, if you read the Gospel of Luke, went and interviewed different people, Mary and so on, people that, that knew Jesus very well. So those are the actual, the, the scriptures is what we have that tells us everything we know about Jesus. And yes, those were witnesses who wrote those things down. Um, Luke was not a witness. He interviewed people, and then he wrote his gospel. And Paul was not a witness of all of these things, but he, again, learned from people and had his, his encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus. So to equate witnesses with the witnesses that Joseph Smith has of the Book of Mormon and so on, that's not really the same equivocation. It is then up to you to decide for yourself whether you believe their testimony or not. And that can be tough, especially since people can be deceived or flat-out lie. You lied to me? And what are you, a sheep? Now, fast forward to the era of Joseph Smith and his story about the golden plates that would later be translated into the Book of Mormon. Latter-day Saints claim that God once again left witnesses, and you must decide whether to believe them or not. In the past, I've dedicated an entire episode to each of the first three official witnesses of the Book of Mormon plates. There's also an episode for the official eight witnesses and another episode for the unofficial witnesses. If you haven't watched those episodes yet, I highly encourage you to do, do it. Make your dreams come true. Okay, so those little things irritate me. I'm sorry, but again... You're talking about witnesses who claim to see plates that were then taken away by an angel and witnesses of Christ's miracles and so on. Again, we're, we're, we're talking about two different things because, again, you've got what you're saying. You're trying to equate the truth of the Book of Mormon to the witnesses who saw some gold plates and then trying to equate that into... This book is scripture. You have no witnesses of Nephi or any of those things. You have no other witnesses like we do of Christ and his uh, miracles and so on. I mean, we have extra biblical uh, accounts of, of Christ. We have, you know, uh, Josephus, Suetonius, Pliny the Younger, uh, Tacitus, uh, Tacitus, however you want to say the names. Um, so we have a lot of different extra biblical plus the, 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 what the Bible says about Christ. Now you're trying to say, and we have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of manuscripts, ancient manuscripts of Old and New Testament that we can go back to, we can corroborate and so on. Now you're trying to tell us the Book of Mormon is true based on some people who said they saw some plates that had the appearance of gold the three witnesses said they saw it by the power of God. And now you want us, and then those plates were taken away. We have absolutely no manuscript evidence of the Book of Mormon whatsoever. We have no, nothing. All those, the plates were taken away. So all we have is what the original published, publisher published, if you can find that. And then the thousands of changes that have been made along the way. And, and you're equating the two doesn't and no in this episode we're going to explore some of the ways people approach those witness testimonies
Okay, so based on my research, there are six major theories about what is happening with the formal and informal witnesses of the Golden Plates. Some people believe the witnesses lied and were co-conspirators with Joseph. Some believe they were duped by Joseph's hypnotic powers. Some believe their experiences were the product of religious fanaticism and an overactive imagination. Some believe Joseph duped them by forging a set of fake plates. Some believe their experiences were an intricate combination of any of the previous theories, and some believe that the witnesses were simply telling the truth. We've already explored pretty much all of these theories more in depth in past episodes, but we'll briefly revisit them here. Theory 1. Even critics of our faith have a hard time adhering to the idea that all of these witnesses were all in on a lifelong conspiracy. The data just doesn't add up. That doesn't add up. Many of these witnesses later left the church, were estranged from Joseph. Joseph actually publicly insulted some of them. Some publicly believed Joseph had become a fallen prophet, but they never deny their testimonies of the cold, hard reality of the golden plates. If it was all a conspiracy, Joseph would have done everything he possibly could to keep those people close. Alienating them would risk exposure. Some people say, well, back then, a man's word was all he had. My word is my bond. If the witnesses came out and said it was all a lie, their reputations would have been ruined. First of all, if integrity was that important back then, they never would have lied in the first place. No, no, he's got a point. Second, I disagree. I think the anti-Latter-day Saint communities the saints often lived around would have hailed whistleblowers as heroes. And third, if they were worried about being branded as liars, they could have easily just claimed that Joseph tricked them. But they never do. The idea that this was all an intricate conspiracy just gushes questions that don't have good answers. Theory two. The idea here is that Joseph could consciously or unconsciously induce auditory, visual, and tangible hallucinations in other people, sometimes without even being around them, that people testified had actually happened for the rest of their lives. The prophecy is true. We've already done an entire episode on this theory, so if you want to learn more about it, watch this episode. Theory three. The idea here is that all of these witnesses got worked up in a religious fervor that caused them to only imagine they were seeing the plates. Wow! Ha! That is easily the most spectacular vision I've ever had! That they only saw them via second sight or with a spiritual eye, meaning that in reality, they never actually saw anything. In my opinion... Okay, well, I mean, to the point, and here, I mean, I will read it out of my own personal uh, copy of the Book of Mormon. Um, let me get there. The original three witnesses. That we, through the grace of God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, have seen the plates which contain this record, which is a record of the people of Nephi and also the Lamanites, their brethren, and also the people of Jared, uh, who came from the tower of which thou ha of which hath been spoken, and we also know they have been translated by the gift and power of God. Okay, and we have, and they have been shown unto us by the power of God and not of man. So the the three Oliver Cowdery, David Whitmer, Martin Harris made it clear that it was seen by the power of God, not of man. This is not a physical sight. This is the power of God. They only saw them because God's power. So this actually does on those three kind of support that theory and it's going to fall in better with my theory once we get there but i had to make that clear 
opinion, this is a tough one to back up considering the fact that many of the witnesses adamantly affirmed that it was a real experience. Not to mention the fact that many witnesses were notably not in a religious mood when they had their experiences with the place. Mary Whitmer was milking cows, thinking about kicking Joseph off their property. Emma was dusting. There's no credible record of the eight witnesses doing anything particularly religious before Joseph casually showed them the plates. According to theory four, people actually did see golden plates, but they were fake. Of course, there's no evidence that Joseph had the ability to make fake plates, and there's no evidence that anyone secretly made them for him. Not only does this theory fail to explain the supernatural experiences of some of the witnesses, but there's also simply no evidence to back it up. It's hard to... Did he just contradict himself? Because now he's saying that some of the witnesses did have supernatural experiences, but they were all absolutely physical. So now he's, he's contradicting himself in his own statements. To stick with theory one, two, three, or four, because while one of those theories could explain the experience of some witnesses, alone each theory fails to explain the experiences of all of the witnesses, and thus theory five. This theory mixes and matches some or all of theories one through four. For example, not only could Joseph hypnotize people, but he also managed to create fake plates and had lifelong secret co-conspirators. If you can't believe these people were simply telling the truth, then a form of theory five is usually where you end up, though it gets quite complicated quite quickly, and proponents of theory five usually have a hard time agreeing with each other on the details. I'm so confused. And last but not least, we have theory six, which is the belief that throughout their lives, these men and women simply told the truth. Obviously, I'm a fan of theory six, but that doesn't mean you have to be. I'll let you and God figure that one out. A good place to start might be by reading the book the witnesses were all talking about. I'll leave a link to it in the description, along with links to all of the other episodes we've done on the witnesses. Have a great day. All right. So I have read the book that the witnesses are talking about. There, take care of that off the bat. I've read it. It's false. It's fake. It's an, uh, a conglomeration of bad plagiarism and bad imagination. That's, that's pretty much it. It's a plagiarized book from the, the King James Bible, including translation mistakes that were made by King James uh, translators and Joseph Smith's imagination. That's, that's what the book is. But let's break this down a little bit. Let's talk about, let me give you my theory. So he's given you his six. I'm going to give you theory number seven, which is demonic deception. Absolute satanic deception. So these people may have truly believed they were telling the truth because they were truly deceived by something satanic. Joseph Smith received some kind of golden plate from a demonic uh, entity and was sworn to not show them to anybody and all this stuff. I mean, all the stories and everything could fall into this demonic deception. Okay, let's break this down. You know, and here again, people are like, well, what if, why, why would a demon point people to God? It, it doesn't point to the true God. It points to a false God, a false Christ and a false gospel. This is, their, this, is the, this is the defense to the demonic deception. And this is probably why you'll never hear David do a, a, an episode on demonic deception. But here, let's break this down. So, um, I took a picture. So, again, we have the witnesses. They, they claim that the angel appeared to them. We saw that in the picture. The angel appeared to them and showed them these uh, plates. 
Um, let me see. So the first three testimony, the first three, they, it was shown to them by the power of God. We declare with slobbering words that an angel of God came down from heaven and he brought and laid before our eyes what we beheld and saw the plates and the engravings thereon. The eight witnesses, uh, that Joseph Smith, the translator of this work, which have shown us to the plates, which have, have been spoken as many of the leaves. We also saw the engravings upon and the appearance of ancient work. Okay, so they didn't, the, okay, so the second one, the, the eight don't mention an angel, but the first ones, the first three, they were visited by an angel. Then Joseph Smith showed these, these other ones to the other guys. So, um, but then in his uh, indirect or whatever he called unofficial witnesses, that Mary Whitmer was visited by an angel, angelic visitor named Moroni, uh, who showed her these plates, uh, What's her name? Emma Smith didn't actually see plates, but she felt something that was covered by a towel on a table while she was cleaning. So there's your there's your different witnesses and so on that are, are presented. Now, I'm going to, to make the case for demonic deception that the angel Moroni is a demon and demonically deceiving the the people um, all that are spoken about here. So the first thing we're going to look at, and this again, this is a picture that I took out of my own personal copy. Okay, we can see my own personal copy of the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, and so on. So given to me by my sister in 1987. So um, this is the 1979 version before it was changed, because in the 1981 printing, this is gone. But the explanatory introduction of the uh, Doctrine and Covenants, Joseph says in here, this took place in the early spring of 1820. You see it's in the, the circled portion. In September 1823 and at later times, Joseph Smith received visitations from Moroni, an angel of light. Okay. So, who revealed the resting place of the ancient record from which the Book of Mormon was afterward translated. So, okay, Moroni, an angel of light. That doesn't sound too crazy, right? Except for the fact that when you look at what the New Testament says, Paul, this is uh, 2 Corinthians 11, verses 12 through, I think, 15. And what I am doing, I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise of his servants, if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, their end will correspond to their deeds. So this is, this is why this was changed from 1979 to 1981. That angel of light portion is removed. This is the deceitfulness of, of the LDS religion. They're constantly changing things. They had to take out the fact that they claimed that the, the, Le, the Lehi, Nephites and the Lamanites and so on were the primary ancestors of the Native Americans when DNA showed that they were not descendant from Hebrews. And so then they had to change in the beginning the, the introduction to the Book of Mormon. They had to change it to among the ancestors and no longer the principal 
ancestors or primary ancestors, whichever word was actually used. So here is uh, the first thing is we recognize that, that they had to change the angel of light thing because people were pointing out that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Joseph Smith on more than one occasion identified Moroni as an angel of light. And so then we're going to look at a couple other things uh, here. Oh, sorry. We're going to do a little. Um, if you go to the LDS um, gospel library, you can download this app. I've got it on my phone. Um, I don't know if you can see it there, right there, the, the gospel library. If you download this app, these are screenshots from that app on my phone. I'm not faking anything. If you go and you look at the, the Book of Mormon study, come follow me, the study of Book of Mormon for 2020, and you go to March, it's talking about uh, the chapters that are, it, it talks about 2 Nephi 26 through 27. And what is the book mentioned in these chapters? In Nephi's prophecy in 2 Nephi 26 through 27, which draws heavily from an earlier prophecy of Isaiah, see Isaiah 29, foretells the coming forth of the Book of Mormon. This prophecy describes the following. The words of Lehi's seed, his descendants, speaking from low out of the dust with a familiar spirit. So let me read to you this Second uh, Nephi 26. And 27, 2 Nephi 26, 14 through 17, which is essentially Isaiah 29, 4, and it's plagiarized. Uh, Nephi 26, 14 through 17. This is, this is the part. Um, Behold, I prophesy unto you concerning the last days, concerning the days when the Lord... God shall bring these things forth unto the children of men. After my seed and the seed of my brethren shall have dwindled in unbelief and shall have been smitten by the Gentiles. Yea, after the Lord shall have camped against them round about and have laid siege against... Uh, that is... Wait a minute. Okay, 16. For those who shall speak shall be destroyed shall speak unto them out of the ground and their speech shall be low out of the dust and their voice shall be as one that hath a familiar spirit for the Lord God will give unto him power that he may whisper concerning them even as it were as it were out of the ground and their speech shall whisper out of the dust so again Isaiah 29 is that supposedly this prophecy of the Book of Mormon that talks about being speech coming out of the dust as one that has a familiar spirit and they're like this would be a book right how does a book come out of the dust but if you do a study on what is a familiar spirit in the Bible you're going to find and I'm going to show you the um, this is from the topical guide in uh on the in the same app spirits evil or unclean spirits regard them not to have familiar spirits soul that turneth after familiar spirits hath a familiar spirit shall surely be put to death charmer or consulter of familiar spirits familiar spirits are demons familiar spirits throughout the old testament are described as are demons it, they're they're all demons the familiar spirit Notice in here what is missing. There's all these references to familiar spirits. And I assure you, this is every reference to familiar spirits in Old Testament. Um, I don't think there's any in the New Testament. 
and your Book of Mormon uh, counterparts. But notice what's missing. Second or Nephi 26, what we just looked at. Second Nephi 26 and Isaiah 29 are conspicuously missing from this list of descriptions of familiar spirits. Again, spirits, evil or unclean, superstitions. Regard them not that have familiar spirits, turneth after such that have familiar spirits. We have all these things, again, demonic spirits, demonic entities, and they are all condemned. Regard them not that have familiar spirits. And then they claim that the Book of Mormon has a familiar spirit. And again, conspicuously missing from these lists, these topical guides, these dictionaries are... Second Nephi and 26 and Isaiah 29. Because those are supposed to be the prophecies of the Book of Mormon that says the Book of Mormon has a familiar spirit. And then you go back to Leviticus 19 and it says, regard not them that have familiar spirits. So we have a book that is prophesied about as having a familiar spirit presented by an angel of light to a false prophet pointing to a false gospel, a false Christ, a false God is very probable that the theory that fits best, and this fits in with, with the, the Mary Whitmer and being visited by an angelic being on the road. She was visited by a demon. A demon easily could have given Joseph Smith a, a fake set of plates and given visions and so on. And all these things that these witnesses saw are explainable by demonic deception. And millions of people today are following after a demonic deception, not towards any kind of salvation, but literally on the road to hell. Because... Rather than following what Leviticus says, they placed and staked their claim on a feeling that they were given, a burning in the bosom. And again, the Bible tells us the heart is deceitful. That there's a way that seems right to man, but it is a way of destruction. They staked their claim on a feeling that they got about a book that is presented by an angel of light that supposedly has a familiar spirit. It's all demonic. It's all demonic. So there's your theory number seven. Seven. And and that is why, and that's the reason why I'm so adamant about making these response videos to these things because my Mormon friends, you're being lied to. You're being deceived and you're being led down the path that Christ talked about that leads to destruction. The path that leads to standing before him on, on the day of judgment and saying, Lord, Lord, did we not do these things in your name? And he'll look at you and say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I'll never, I never knew you. That's why I'm so adamant about doing these videos is because I firmly believe that my Mormon friends, my LDS friends, friends, relatives, and loved ones 
are being deceived and led on the road to hell. And that's why. And so, there you go, guys. I hope this was helpful. My Christian friend, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. Until next time, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm -hmm.